Well, tonight we're going to continue in our series, a Lenten series, which has been preparing our hearts and minds for as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we head to the cross and celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected. Those of us who put our faith in Christ, we, we are celebrating because we know that we're not just a creation of God's, we are a child of the living God. So it's exciting that we get to have Lent together, preparing ourselves as we head to the cross. And tonight, as we head that way, I want to remind us about who Jesus died for. Who did he die for on the cross? Our passage is found in Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And the title of our, of our sermon is called Salvation for the Snuffed Out. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would ask right now that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And that you would fill me with your spirit and, and you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. We would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And here Jesus has been performing unbelievable miracles, healing people. And the Pharisees, they are really, really not liking this. And they are plotting to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? They're going to kill him. And we pick up our verse. Verse 15 says, aware, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory, in his name the nations will put their hope. 750 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, God revealed to Isaiah who Jesus was going to be. And Jesus is quoting that verse. It's found in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. And Isaiah says in verse 18, he says, here is my servant. God reveals that to, to Isaiah. Imagine, 750 years before Christ ever shows up. Now Jesus shows up and he quotes he quotes the very thing that Isaiah said to affirm what Jesus has done, that he is a servant. Matter of fact, over in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says this about himself. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus calls himself a servant. And Isaiah is very, very, very clear that that's exactly who he would be. But not only did God reveal to Isaiah what kind of person Jesus was going to be, but what kinds of people Jesus was coming to serve and ultimately save. The description of those people is found in verse 20, and it says this, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now at first glance, as you look, look at that verse, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. As you look at that verse, you don't see people there at first. But as we look at that 
particular verse through the eyes and the minds of the Jewish people in Isaiah's day, as well as in the days of Jesus. And then look at the words that are describing the reed and the wick. We're going to discover the kinds of people that Jesus had come to serve and ultimately save. So let's get started. Looking again at verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. When the people of Isaiah's day and in the days of Christ would have heard that verse or read it, they would immediately, pictures would have popped up in their minds, common pictures, two of them, one about the bruised reed and one about the smoldering snuffed out wick. So let's first start with the bruised reed. What picture would have popped up in their mind? Well, in those days, it was common to see young boys watching their father's sheep along the hillsides. And there when they were watching their sheep, it, sh watching sheep was boring. So what they would do is they'd go down by the Jordan River where hundreds of thousands of reeds grew up alongside the shore. And they'd go down, they'd cut themselves out, down one, and they hollowed out, put little holes in it, and they'd play it like a flute. They'd play music, make up songs. But they had to be careful because if they bruised that reed, they couldn't play music any longer. So here you have a young shepherd boy playing the, bru the, the reed, and he bruises it. Now the question is, does he try to save it? Does he try to reuse it? No, he throws it away. And he goes down and gets himself a new one because down by the Jordan, there's hundreds of thousands of new reeds. That's the first picture that most everyone who heard these words would have popped up in their mind. The second word is describing the wick. And here the wick, the word smoldering, literally means a dying flame. It's where we get our English word burnout from. Isaiah is describing a group of people or a person who once used to walk in the room and would light the room up. Now they just fill the room with smoke. Why? Because they're burned out. They're, they've lost their, they were one, once at one time filled with enthusiasm. They were filled with passion, dreams, and vision, ready to take on the world. But something happened to them. And now they are a people who are weary in well-doing. They're exhausted. They're just going through the motions. Now when they walk in the room, they don't light it up. They, had, they, had, they, were, they were a person that was filled with so much promise that when they would walk in the room, they, people would expect and anticipate something happening. But now they just walk in the room and they fill it up with smoke. And what does the world do with those who are burned out? They throw them away and they get themselves a new one. The last word is the word in the English called snuffed out. It's literally one word in the Greek. But here what that word means is that it's talking about a, a wick that was supposed to light the home and it failed. It's a flame that has died. It missed the mark. It's referring to those of us who have sinned, which means every one of us. It's referring to those of us who have blown it. And tonight... As we end and conclude, I, wanna, I, I don't have time to go through all three of those groups of people, but what I want to do is focus in on those of us who have blown it, because possibly you have never experienced being burned out, or you've never been bruised, but every one of us have blown it. Every one of us comes short, because the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as we head towards Easter. We know that Jesus Christ came to bring help, hope, and healing to those who are bruised, those who are burned out, and those who have blown it. But for those of us who have, who have blown it, 
He literally has died on the cross to forgive us of our sin. Yes, so that he can bring help and hope and healing. But first and foremost, he had to remove our sin. He had to make it possible that we could be forgiven and brought back into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. So the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And that's what keeps us from having a relationship with the Father, with God. That has to be removed. That has to be paid for. The wages of sin is death. That debt we owed. But Jesus, who knew no sin, went to the cross and died on our behalf, in our place. He was our substitute. And when he died on the cross, he who knew no sin, he paid the penalty for our sin. And he satisfied the law. And after he satisfied the law, he made it possible because he not only died, but he walked out of the grave. He now has made it possible for anybody who calls upon his name that they could be forgiven of their sin and be brought, be brought, brought back into a relationship with God. And how's that happen? How do, you, how do you believe in such a way that you know that you're forgiven and that you have this relationship with God? The Bible says this, For God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. To believe, you've heard me say this many times, is as simple as A, B, C. A, you admit that you are a sinner. Everybody has sinned. B, you believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross he did for you, and what he did on the cross is enough for you. I want to stop right there. Most people really struggle with Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross is enough for them. They have an easy understanding that Jesus did that for them, but is it enough? And they struggle, so they start, they start to think that they've got to do something. They've got to give some time, talent, and treasure in some way to earn their way. But you're going to hear Craig, Pastor Craig on, on Good Friday, talk about what Jesus said on the cross. He said it's finished. And what does that mean? He paid our debt in full. He died on our behalf, and he made it possible that we are forgiven. You know, I, one time I went out, to, out into Wexford, and I went to Bravo's, to the restaurant, and I was taking my, one of my daughters that we've adopted. Her name is Amy Volstad, and we were with her husband, and my, Tammy and I, and we were out celebrating, and we had a great time. And we were in the restaurant, and after we got done eating, the waiter came, and I said, I'll take the check. When I opened up to see the check, the check on the check, it literally say, said, paid in full. And I looked at the waiter, and I said, wait a minute, I haven't paid anything. He said, yeah, there was somebody in the restaurant who knew you, and they wanted to take care of the check. And I looked at him and I said this. I said, did he tip you? He said, yes, he tipped me. It's all taken care of. It's paid in full. You know why I said I wanted to tip him? Because I felt I had to do something. A lot of us somehow, some way we get caught up that we need to do something in order for to add to the cross or take away from the cross in some way. Listen, what Jesus Christ did on that cross, he paid it in full. Wouldn't it be crazy if I ended up arguing with the waiter saying, well, I want to pay something. I want to do something. And that's been crazy. It's been paid in full. Why would I want to pay any more? When Jesus died on that cross, he paid for it. And he paid it in full. But here's what's really important. You can intellectually believe what I've said. Let me get this chair for us. You can believe what I said is true. And you can say, you know, I believe that, Pastor Ed. 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, and I intellectually understand that, but that's not enough. It's like I can believe that that's a chair. That's fine. But that's not, called, that's not saving faith. Because you intellectually can understand that Jesus Christ died for you and was raised again from the dead. And you can understand that Jesus Christ is a historical figure, just like Martin Luther King, George Washington, or anyone else historically. Jesus is a historical fact. And you can intellectually understand. You can believe that Jesus died on the cross, was raised again from the dead. A historical fact. But that's not going to save you. Because the Bible says even the demons believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And they understand what he did on the cross, but that's not going to save him. I've told you many times that I didn't know the Lord for many years. And I'll tell you what, before I knew Christ, I was using the Lord's name in vain a lot. Until finally someone came up to me and said this. They said, why don't you say Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius? Why are you always talking about Jesus Christ in that way? That rocked my world. And then they said this. You know why you say that, Ed? Is because even the demons believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And when you're angry, you're mad, and you're using that name, you're, you're, you're casting damnation on you. And that's everything that the enemy wants to happen for you and to you. But it's not enough just to believe intellectually that Jesus died. He was resurrected. And when he walked out of that grave, it's about having a relationship with him. It's about having a relate, not a religion, a relationship. So I could believe in this chair. I could say, boy, that chair is good. And I could see different people sitting in it and say that if I sit in that chair, it's going to hold me up. But I don't really believe, I don't really have saving faith, if you will, until I bring my will into the relationship, until I bring my will to the chair. And I sit on this chair. I make a commitment. And I sit on this chair. And until you make a commitment with your will, start a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're lost. So how do you start this relationship? By believing that the, Jesus died on the cross for your sin, that you are in need of a Savior, and you believe what he did on that cross was for you and enough for you, and then you make a commitment to a living Christ. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment, and I just want you to see Jesus walking right up to you right now. There he is. And he's saying, I died for you. This Easter, let's celebrate it the right way. Let's make sure that we know you know me because I love you and I want a relationship with you. And simply just ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. I'll tell you what, let me help you by giving you, just helping you with a prayer. This prayer doesn't save you, everyone. Jesus does. But in case you don't quite know what to say, let me help you with that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I have said things and done things that I wish I would have never done. I've blown it. And I know it. And I am not living right. I'm not living right. And Lord, I want to know for certain tonight, there's not a lot of things in this world that are certain, but I want to know for certain that I have eternal life, that I'm forgiven and I am a child of the living God. So I ask you in faith, by bringing my will, I repent of my sin. I turn from the way I'm living, and I turn to you. And I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord right now in Jesus' name. And I would ask you to fill me with your spirit that I will walk with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer, you're a child of the living God. I would really encourage you to keep watching here at Christ Church, keep going on and learning about how to walk in, in faith with him. And if you know any believer, if you know somebody in the faith, call them on the phone tonight and let them know that you're part of the family. God bless you and looking forward to seeing you, well, at least talking to you on Good Friday. God bless you.